0: Today is the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, which is a dimension of the Epiphany, and it closes the Christmas season and opens it now toward the ordinary time. It's also today the anniversary of the birthday of St. Josemaria, born in 1902, so that would make him Today, 120 years old. But our focus today is on the Gospel reading from St. Luke, where Luke tells us about this feeling, this air of expectancy in the crowd among the, the people. It, it had steadily grown, bit by bit, People understood that something was coming. He says a feeling of expectancy had grown among the people who were beginning to think that John might be the Christ. So John declared before them, All, oh, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming, someone who is more powerful than I, and I am not fit to undo the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So he deflects the attention that the crowd was giving to him. He had lived an ascetical life. Probably from youth, he had been seen as a somewhat, as a, as a prodigy, but he deflects all that attention from him. Pope Francis, commenting on this, says that The Baptist is aware of the fact that there is a great distance between him and Jesus. But Jesus came precisely to bridge the gap between man and God. If he is all on the side of God, he is also on the side of man and brings together what was divided. God, Jesus becomes true man but he is also God he bridges the gap but of course the Baptist is not God and I was reading this morning from the office of readings in the breviary a, a beautiful a beautiful passage from one of the fathers of the church St. Gregory of Nazianzus, who was a bishop who who wrote a sermon on the, on the baptism of Christ, and he, he talks about the moment in which Jesus wants to be baptized by John the Baptist. It's a kind of a gesture of repentance, not because there's sin in Jesus, but in order to be a model for us on the only authentic way to approach the Father, he goes to the Baptist as a beggar because the mystery is mercy. The mystery is mercy. He is mystery, and he is also mercy. And this is, this is what the, this Gregory of Datsansis says. He says, the Baptist protests, and Jesus insists. Then John says, I ought to be baptized by you. He is the lamp in the presence of the Son. And he, he, he goes on to make these, these contrasts. The lamp in the presence of the sun. The voice in the presence of the word. That was a, a common expression. The voice in the presence of the word. The friend in the presence of the bridegroom. The greatest of all born of woman in the presence of the firstborn of all creation. The one who leapt In his mother's womb in the presence of him who was adored in the womb the forerunner and the future forerunner in the presence of him who has already come and is to come i ought to be baptized by you we should also add and for you for john is to be baptized in blood washed clean like peter not only by the washing of his feet, referring to how Jesus washed the feet of St Peter at the last Supper, and so Jesus lowers himself in baptism as our model, and he acknowledges his faith so that he will never we will never hesitate to do the same and That brings us to the second part of Luke's gospel today. Now when all the people had been baptized and while Jesus after his own baptism was at prayer so he's, he's just been baptized by John and he's now at prayer suddenly the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily shape like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my son the beloved my favor rests on you there's, there's the aspect of the revelation or the epiphany, the, the showing forth, clarifying who Jesus really is. You are my beloved Son. It's the epiphany of the mystery of the Holy Trinity, really, right there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But why does this happen right there when Jesus is baptized? Why does the epiphany of the, of the of the Blessed Trinity, which had not been known up until then, or only been vaguely suggested, that God is a is a Trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, why does it happen there, in the baptism, at the baptism of Jesus? And uh, what well, we know at first, John had tried to prevent him, but he had insisted, and But first it tells us that he wanted to be in solidarity with us sinners. And he means to be where they must be. It's what St. Paul had later said, he who knows no sin became sin for our sake. But it is precisely at this moment of intense solidarity with sinners that this immense Trinitarian epiphany takes place when he is in solidarity with sinners with you and with me the father's voice thunders from heaven your beloved son and we we have to understand therefore the reason this is done at the baptism is that what pleases the father is precisely his willingness to stand in solidarity with sinners that's what pleases the father And this way he shows himself to be the son of the father. This father who so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is like the moment where he's giving his only son for us. And it's in this same instant that the spirit appears like a dove who descends upon the Son, functioning that that dove as a kind of... uh, accreditation, a stamp of approval, an authorization of this entire unexpected scene. Nobody else had received that dove in the same way. And if we can picture the Lord now standing up out of the waters, a dove hovered above him perhaps, maybe laid on his shoulder. It was It was the Holy Spirit. It was like an accreditation of what had happened. I remember many years ago when Pope John Paul II came to Montreal in September of 1984. We had driven from from Toronto to Montreal to see him. And uh, one of the big celebrations there was his appearance at the Montreal Olympic Stadium and that's where Celine Dion made her one of her debuts she was only like 14 years old and uh, she sang a beautiful song as uh, as these dancers on the on the grounds of the Olympic Stadium all dressed in white would dance to make the shape of a dove you know, And as they danced this this dove was fluttering you know just the whole the shape of a dove the, the entire I mean there were thousands of dancers right and uh, she sang "Une colombe est partie en voyage." A dove has gone off on a trip or something. And, uh, and uh, it was a. Be- well, I have to say, she sang very beautifully. She had a very strong voice. Everybody was very impressed. "Une colombe est partie en voyage," and uh, it was a bit, yeah, a little bit cheesy. But still, it was it was nice. Uh, and at the very end, as a sign of. Uh, sort of respect for Pope John Paul II these young people brought a cage with a dove in it and um, and so he was he was brought the cage and the idea was it was to lift the cage so that the dove would fly and be free and so that's indeed what he did he lifted up the cage he was of course they's he's quite young still he lifted the cage there the the dove stood but it didn't move. It didn't want to leave. You know, it just stood there, looked around, and the Pope said, you got to go now. Come on, go. <laughs> and uh, it just sat there. And there's a great shot of Pope John Paul II laughing, like, you know, just, just laughing as the dove is kind of looking at him like that, right? And, um, and then finally, after some encouragement, the dove finally left and flew through the stadium as everybody watched this dove and it it flew out into the opening uh, the opening of the stadium and presumably went back to to its home and um, but for for those present it meant I suppose a form of a symbol of freedom the dove goes to where he wants to go and don't know exactly what the meaning of that is, at least what was intended but it had something to do with freedom and innocence of youth. It was a, uh, you know, a, a rally for the youth. So the youth should be like doves to be free. But here the dove is here to authorize this unexpected scene of Jesus coming out of the waters and changing the very value of that water, which up until then had only been water, but now water, mere water, clean water, takes on this power to allow us to enter into communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hmm? Because it is after that, precisely, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, guides him into the desert, where he begins, you could say, his his public ministry, which is begun first by his prayer in the desert. That's his messianic task. And, uh, and so the Holy Spirit was beginning his action through him and John knew already of course about his cousin and all these years but at that point he was still in preparation mode and he was Jesus was redeeming them already with redeeming us with his work with his gestures but now he goes public and the holy spirit is an accreditation of that public life and John Understands his testimony. It's the moment he's been waiting for all these years. It's the very reason why he's been living this ascetical life. Could he really have understood the divine words that thundered through the heavens and the skies? This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Could he really have understood all this? Well, as we picture the scene. No doubt we would see the people lining up, scruffy, dirty. John the Baptist, even more scruffy, even more dirty. And then that magnificent figure of the Lord approaching. We see the hesitancy of the Baptist. We see the clean water. We see the the rays of light, the fluttering dove, pure white. And when the father's voice thundered there, there was probably no music. But something there made the people feel close. It is truly important that you and I experience in our work, in our daily life, the experience of God. That God is present here. As I turn on my laptop and I get to work, That even in my weakness, even in my scruffiness, even in in my temptations, my stress, my worries, my busy schedule, there are so many things to do. My anxiety. The Lord is there. And he is present there always. Otherwise, we will have a very truncated and stultified vision of God in our vocation. Because our vocation began the day that we were baptized. Perhaps none of us really remembers the actual day. We remember our birthday, but we probably don't remember the actual day in which we were baptized and uh, in what we're we're transmitting to others. But it cannot be... Our life as baptized cannot be stultified, cannot be simplistic... Is it possible that as I am doing my prayer now that I, that I have allowed myself to have a wrong image of God to seep into my life? The mystery of the Holy Trinity here is really revealed in the baptism for the first time, at least in a fairly clear way. The Son is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove, and the voice of the Father is a testimony about his Son. We hear the voice. Yet, yet perhaps he is for us the great unknown, as St. Josemaría used to say. The Holy Spirit is the great unknown, so his, his task is not always easy for us to comprehend C.S. Lewis explained it like this he said we must think of the son always so to speak streaming forth from the father like light from a lamp or heat from fire or thoughts from the a mind he is the self-expression of the father what the father has to say he is the self-expression of the Father, what the Father has to say. Think of the variety of images found in Scripture referring to the Spirit. Wind, fire, breath. They indicate our, our struggle to articulate an understanding of Him. Yet we do know that it is the Holy Spirit who, though silent and unclean, gives direction and definition to our witness to Jesus Christ. He gives direction, definition. So when we talk to a friend, when we try to read and understand something, we should invoke the Holy Spirit. Especially when we're speaking, to open our lips to guide what to guide even those who are speaking, that whom we're speaking to, those who are hearing, to give us direction. When we mentor somebody, when we mentor a friend, somebody who is younger, even when we keep silent and we listen, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. Even when we enter our prayer, we say, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Some of you go to a circle. There too, we invoke the Holy Spirit to guide us. And this is not just brain power. It's not just brain energy. He helps us to see the most important thing to know, and that is he is a relation of love. The father delights in his son. The son looks up to his father. And that is why we say God is love. There has to be that relation for there to be love. But why is the Holy Spirit a bit unknown? Why is he a bit vaguer, not so clear? Well, here too, uh, St. C.S. Lewis rather explains, we're not usually looking at the Holy Spirit. He's always acting through you. If you think of the Father as something out there in front of you, and the Son as someone standing at your side... Helping you to pray, trying to turn you into another son or another daughter, that if you have to think, then you have to think of the third person as something inside you or behind you. Holy Spirit, you act through me and I don't see it. Holy Spirit, you act through me. When we can become close to Him we come close like standing to a fire we feel his warmth but also we feel our responsibility it's one of the things the Holy Spirit engages us responsibility for our own life of sanctity for those around us he's the one who allows us as Saint Josemir used to say to feel the weight of souls he's the one who allows us to really be interested in others as we look at a person do we, do we pray for them? Do we feel interested in them? Do we feel interested in in the state of their souls, or are we just sort of isolated people from one another kind of playing chess? We have to be fascinated by what the others have to say. What they're all about. We're not just play acting. He is doing this in us. Who knows what a, a mo- you know a coffee with somebody at Starbucks can have. A friend. Who knows what. You know a, a gentle conversation can have a good example. What can happen if we just invite somebody to you know, read this book that we really liked? Have we ever done that? Have we ever invited somebody to read the gospel, to read the catechism, or some other good book that we really connected with? Who knows what just that invitation can do? years ago uh, I think it was 2002 World Youth Day they made a special edition of the Gospel of St. Mark to help people to read the Gospel but it was just St. Mark because it was the shortest one but they made an edition that was in five or six languages and it was still quite thin and the idea was that people could give get and obtain a copy of this they had I mean they printed thousands and thousands of these Gospels, Gospels St. Mark. And thousands of these were distributed. And you could tell your friend here, here's the Gospel St. Mark, why don't you start reading it and then later on you can read the rest of the Gospel. And it didn't matter what the language was because pretty well all languages were covered. Who knows what Just that gesture can do, that invitation. Why? Not because we're somehow brilliant, but because the Holy Spirit acts in us. Perhaps you remember that story of Dom Shota, who was a university student who had come from Switzerland. His father was agnostic or even atheist. Parents didn't really practice. And he went to France to study economics and one of the first days he was there on campus he looked and in the distance he saw a priest praying his breviary and he just he just got a shot a, a kind of like a a sudden dosage of grace and he thought to himself why? Do I not pray more? Like that priest is praying. Of course, that priest had no idea of the effect that he was having. He was just going back and forth, praying his breviary, as was the duty of any priest. But the Holy Spirit used just that vision of him seeing that priest as an occasion to convert him. He started going to the Catholic club. Um, he started getting involved in, uh, in, you know... Catholic activities on campus. Eventually, he became a monk. Eventually, he started heading a monastery himself. I mean, that was the Holy Spirit truly acting in his soul. But the Holy Spirit is hidden. And we must really feel him act. Always, and in every conversation, every time we go to spiritual direction, every time we go to confession, in our decisions... Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Don't be afraid to invoke him, to call out to him. At every moment in which you're just just talking, at the moment when you're writing, for that matter, you're writing a text now, you're making a decision. And of course, this is my beloved son. That's what the Father says. He's not... He says, this is the Son of God. Right? The Pope, Pope Benedict would say that, that he's not a Son of God among others. He is the only begotten Son who's totally different from other men because he is of divine nature. He is the natural Son of God and we are united to him and become adopted sons and daughters of God. And that, of course, happens when we are baptized with water and the Holy Spirit. And we know that St. Josemaria received a special grace to integrate this truth, a divine filiation into his life in a way that was quite unique and profound and existential. It affected his whole life. Like We, we could end up having a knowledge that we are sons and daughters of God, but it did not really affect us deeply. It could happen that we, we just know it in theory. It's just an idea and uh, he really wanted um, to transmit this, this treasure to us, like a, like a living treasure, like a, something alive, not a theory, not just an idea. Well, it has to start in as, as an idea, but then it, it start in the sense of an understanding, but then it has to, we have to experience it. And it is the Holy Spirit that will help us experience it. One of the things that it will do for us is give a greater sense of serenity and peace in our life, Maybe we can ask the Holy Spirit now to help us begin again. Begin again. There was a, a story on the internet of a, a Uber driver who was went to some union station somewhere and had to drive this young teenage girl uh, to I don't know, a long distance away and they were already Several hours into the drive along the highway, when there was a massive pileup, and uh, and uh, all traffic was rerouted, rerouted. and um, and uh, so he stood there and sat there in traffic, and he and he saw that the girl was starting to call home, and she was getting nervous, and she was tired, and, and so he did his utmost to help her, and. Uh, he managed to finagle himself through the traffic went back to Washington or wherever it was and uh, he actually uh, since all the routes were were blocked because of this accident and, and also the, the weather he actually managed to to convince her parents that she stay in a hotel and that he would pay for it and he would go away and and then he could uh, you know he, she could get an uber the next day but he wanted her to be safe and um, in the end, he was uh, accommodated for you know he was really praised by the Uber people for that. But when he was interviewed about that, it was very funny the interview he, he said that he said, you know I'm a, I'm a high stress person, and I was feeling my anxiety come on. I could just feel it coming on. So I said, "I don't want this anxiety." and uh, And then he explains how he did everything so that he could not have this anxiety about this girl. of course he didn't know, and and he just wanted her to be safe. I just want to be safe. I just want to be safe. He didn't really know how to confront this anxiety. But he could have just had recourse to divine filiation and be stronger with that anxiety. St. Josue would say, rest and repose in the fact of being children of God. God is a Father who is full of tenderness, of infinite love, call Him Father many times a day and tell Him alone in your heart that you love Him, that you adore Him, that you feel proud and strong because you are His son, His his daughter. All this implies a genuine program of interior life which needs to be channeled through your relationship of piety with God through these acts, which should be few, I insist, but constant which will enable you to develop the attitudes and manners of a good son, a good daughter. Let's ask this of the Holy Spirit eh, so that we not be kind of disassociated from this great reality and that we really rest and repose in, in what Jesus has revealed, that he is the only son of God and that we are his adopted sons and daughters. Our Blessed Mother will help us to arrive at this. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.